Um, just thinking about my time here, here at Bluemont, um, man, I, I encountered the Lord for the first time here, like in, in this room, gave my life to the Lord um, at CTG in Bluemont. Um, <clears throat> and just thinking about like every, everything that I have, everything that I am today is because of what God has done in my life through this church. Um, and so, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just really thankful this morning. I didn't think I was going to cry, but I am. <laughs> um, just, just really, really glad to be here and, and just glad that, that God encountered me in a powerful way um, through this church. Um, and so, man, great, great morning. Great, great start. Um, so my, to, before I get started, my first question is, man, has anyone ever gotten like a really good gift? Like just something that was awesome. You didn't expect it over the top. I'm sure that many of us like can think of something that was like, man, this this blew my mind. Um, man, the the how it made you feel, the the joy that it brought to your life, um, the love that you felt. Um, and so I want to I want to talk this morning just really really quick about one of the best gifts that I've ever gotten in my entire life, and it was actually my guitar. Uh, the first guitar that I ever got, um, unfortunately, it died. Um, so that's my that's my new one. Um, but the the guitar that I've been playing here for years, man, are we are we good? Do I need to change mics? Anyway, I uh, <clears throat> I was so my sophomore year of high school. I wanted to learn to play guitar to impress girls, um, and so I taught myself how to play on my cousin's like rinky dink fifty dollar Amazon guitar. Um, and uh, I grew up in Garden City, um, and there's not a lot of music shops in Garden, um, and there's not a lot, of, a lot of things in Garden. So the nearest big city to Garden City was Wichita, and so my family made frequent trips to Wichita for shopping trips. Um, the occasional, man, we really want some Olive Garden, so we're going go to go to, go to Wichita. Um, my family legitimately would go to Wichita sometimes just to eat Olive Garden. Um, so... Hit up OG, they're good. Um, but there's also a guitar center there. Um, and so we were, we were in Wichita my sophomore year of high school, and I was begging my family to go to, to guitar center. So we went, we had some free time in the afternoon, and I spent two hours there just in, they have like a little acoustic guitar room um, that's isolated from the, the rest of the store. It's humidified properly and all this temperature wise. And I was in hog heaven, like playing all these different guitars that are all way better than the one I have at home. Um, and I gravitated towards this one guitar. And so I'm sitting there playing, that, playing it. My mom was in there for a little bit. She left. And I'm sitting there with my grandparents, and I'm just geeking out about this guitar. I think it's like the coolest thing in the world. It looks awesome. It sounds cool. Um, and my grandma is like, hey, I'm going to go hang out with your, go find your mom really quick. <clears throat> I was like, OK. So I'm sitting there with my grandpa playing. And about 10 or 15 minutes go by, and my grandma walks in with one of the sales guys. And he's holding a case, and it was the case to the guitar. And my grandma had went and bought the guitar for me. And it, like, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't expecting it. It wasn't even like, I wasn't even like asking for it. She just like, out of the kindness of her heart, bought me this guitar. And it, it was amazing. And you know, it, that guitar holds a very special place in my heart. Um, because it was for my grandma, because of the situation, um, and because it was, it was my, my first one, and, and it lasted me forever. And I'm probably never going to get rid of it. Like, it's sitting at my house right now, um, and I'm, I'm never going to get rid of it because it's, it's so special. Um, and so even if you aren't a gift person, 
right? Gifts are great. <clears throat> Gifts are, <clears throat> Christmas morning is awesome. It's super fun opening presents. Birthdays are cool because you get presents. And then those like every once in a while, just out of the blue, you don't know where it's coming from. Presents are, are so great. And uh, this morning, we're, we're going to take a look at, man, one of the, the greatest gifts of all time. And that was Jesus' work on the cross. Um, I'm thankful for Jonathan's word during communion. He kind of just said my whole message. Um, so, <laughs> you know, we can go home. Um, but we've been, like he said, we've been going through the book of Colossians um, and our, our series titled Overall, To All, In All. Um, and uh, let, me, let me pray really quick and, and we'll get started. God, we, we thank you um, <clears throat> for who you are. God, for, man, what, what you're doing in our church, um, and Jesus, for, for your sacrifice, for, for the gift of your, of your life, your death and resurrection. Um, God, we, we, just, we look to you this morning to, to teach us, to, to speak to us personally, um, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, um, we're talking Colossians 2. Um, Jonathan spoke last week, end of Colossians 1, into the beginning of 2. Um, so, we're actually going to pick up in verse 6. It says, therefore, as you received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So let's stop right there. I love how simple that is. Just so as you've received Christ, walk in him, right? Um, It's very simple, but it's also super profound and, and complicated, um, and, you know, I, I talked a little bit um, earlier just about giving my life to the Lord. And, like, I, I gave my life to the Lord because someone shared the gospel with me. And I saw for the first time that my life had a purpose beyond just dying and going to heaven. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to live a good life, trying not to sin too much. And hopefully one day when I die, I will have stored up enough not sin to enter the pearly gates. Right? And... But I, I saw for the first time that my life had a cosmic purpose, that the God of the universe wanted to use me, little old me, and my dumb friends, and change the world, right? Like, that's, that's what he wanted to do through my life. And <clears throat> how was he going to do that? Well, he was going to change me from the inside out. He was going to transform every single part of my life and transform me to look like Jesus. And that that was going to be a lifelong process, and... Uh, like, he was going to free me from all the things that were preventing me from living the fullness of the life that he had for me. And so how do I walk in that? That's how I receive Christ. How do I walk in that? Well, it's by being rooted in that calling, in the, in the understanding of, like, hey, my life has a cosmic purpose. Every single day, as I, and I, when I wake up in the morning, like, there is an opportunity for God to change the world through my life and through my friends' lives and through the lives of the guys that I'm bringing along with me. And so it's like, wow, okay, that's like, that's an amazing thing to wake up to every single day. And that's an amazing purpose to give my life to. And man, being, being taught in that, you know, having guys like Jonathan and Jesse speaking into my life and Bo and Eddie and those guys like teaching me, hey, here's how to be more faithful. Here's how to walk more in, in thanks, in thanksgiving. Um, And so it's like, man, that's, that's an awesome way to live your life. Just learning constantly how to, how to be more faithful and bringing people along with you. But the next verse, we're given a warning. All right, so let's pay attention. It says that, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. 
So, okay, hey, walk, walk in, the, in uh, how you receive Christ, but hey, be wary, be on alert, be ready for the, the lies of the world, for people to come along, argue philosophy and, and human tradition. And that according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, um, as, I was, as I was prepping this message, I was asking myself, like, what human tradition is this verse talking about? Like, is it talking about the 4th of July? You know, that's a tradition of, of America that we do all the time. Is it talking about, man, you know, I don't know how we, how we teach history. Um, and, you know, there's, there's this movement in our culture, I think, to reject human tradition. That there's, there's this, like, hey, because someone said this thing a long time ago, it's no longer valid. You know, the way that we, the way that we look at history, you know, right now it's like, the culture wants to teach it through a lens of, of race and oppressor versus oppressed. Uh, man, we want to we rewrite the way that, that, we view, that we viewed sex for thousands and thousands of years of like, hey, this is, this is an important thing that God has given us, but it, he's given it to us in a specific context between a man and a woman in a, in a lifelong committed marriage. It's like, hey, we want to throw that away for just free sex with whoever you want, whenever you want, however you want, right? And... So I was thinking about all these different things, like, hey, what, what, is, this actual, what is this human tradition that we're supposed to be, to be wary of? Um, and I think it goes way, way back. It goes to the beginning. It goes to Genesis 1. It goes back to Genesis 6, where it says that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the heart of man was only evil continually. So the, the, the human tradition is evil. Human tradition is deceit. Human tradition is just death and destruction. And it's only through God's working that we can live the life that we're, that we're called to live. This has been true throughout human history. When humans stray away from God, there's death, destruction, and sexual perversion. And so in our day, the way that we remain free from human tradition is by walking the ways of Christ and being established in the faith. All right, let's, let's, keep, let's keep going. Verse 9. For in him, the whole fullness of uh, deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. All right, this is where Paul really, uh, <clears throat> really pulls a Paul. Um, I, like, I like Paul a lot just because he's like, hey, if this thing's true, that means this thing's true, that means this thing's true, and this is what we do about it, right? And that's, if you read Romans, like that's the whole book of Romans is, is him going through that process. So let's, let's break this down a little bit because it's pretty thick. So in Jesus, the fullness of deity dwells, okay? The fullness of God dwells in Jesus. Um, and in him, we have been filled. So all of God is in Jesus, and all of Jesus is in those who give their allegiance to him. Right? Okay, that's really profound and powerful and, and really hard to understand if you're actually like trying to wrap your mind around it. Um, earlier in chapter 1 of Colossians, it said that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him, him being Jesus. So the fullness of God dwells in Jesus in, in, full, in full pleasure. God is pleased that, that his deity reigns in Jesus. And then Jesus is in us. Okay. What did God do? 
He created everything. There was nothing, and then there was something because of him. And that power, that authority, that, that just ridiculousness is in us. And it's like, what, what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that? Are we going to just do our normal nine-to-five job and just try not to do bad things? It's like, no, man, that's a lot of potential. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of let's get moving and, and God wanting to use us. And he's the head of all rule and authority. So all authority is, is given by Jesus, and he's in us. Okay, blows my mind. It goes on. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. So we were dead in our trespasses, the uncircumcision of our flesh. That, like, that term, like the, what is it earlier before, uh, the circumcision of Christ, um, I, I looked that up while I was prepping because I was like, I don't really know what that means. Um, it turns out a lot of people don't know what that means. Um, and so it's like, just as circumcision, actual circumcision was a physical marker, right? You were forever changed. For those of you who don't know what circumcision is, you can look it up later. Um, <laughs> but your, your body is forever changed, right? You're forever marked by a process of, of circumcision. So too, in our, in our spirit, Internally, when Christ comes and, and dwells in us, we are permanently marked by his presence. We are permanently separated from the flesh that was on us before, just as you're permanently separated from your foreskin. Um, <laughs> listen, there was like, what, three years ago, Jonathan gave a message on circumcision, and it was like, he went for it, but it was... <laughs> it was it was awesome. It was great. I'm sure that those of you that were in the room remember it very clearly. Um, so we're dead on our trespasses, the uncircumcision of our flesh, right? We are, we are permanently attached to our flesh still. But God made us alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over him, over them in him. God put the rulers and authorities to open shame through the resurrection and death, or the death and resurrection of Jesus. This always blows my mind because it's like what the enemy thought was his ultimate victory, God was using it for his ultimate defeat. Like the greatest triumph in the, the enemy's whole plan. He's like, we got the guy. We got him. He's done. We killed him. Let's have a heyday. Let's really, let's really open this thing up. God was like, hey, just wait. Like, three days, man, he's coming. And you will have no more, no more power, no more authority. So he was using that for his ultimate defeat. So let's, let's recap that section because it's important for the next section of verses. So we got the fullness of God, creator, awesome power, before time, in time, after time, dwells in Jesus fully, and then Jesus dwells in us, who believes in him. We were buried with him in baptism and raised with him through our faith in God's power that he raised Jesus from the dead. And because of that, God makes us alive. Because we agree, because we agree in the, the resurrection of Jesus, we are resurrected. We are made alive. And 
Notice how like that has nothing to do with any of our qualifications. It has nothing to do with any of what we actually bring to the table and everything to do with who Jesus is and what he did on his time on the earth. Fully, we're fully forgiven of that debt that stood against us because of Jesus' work on the cross and the rulers and authorities of this world are put to open shame, fully defeated. Okay? We tracking with that? Cool. So, with all of that in our heads, let's look at this next section. Therefore, I, I heard one time, therefore is like one of the most important words in the Bible because it's like, hey, remember what I just told you? This is what we're going to do with that. So, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. That seems kind of weird to me that we're like laying out this cosmic God in Jesus, in us, power, being raised from the dead with him. And then it's like, so hey, don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't worry about the festivals that you celebrate. It's like, that seems a little weird to me, but I can like, I can almost hear Paul saying like, really guys? Like, this is the stuff that we're worried about? Like, this is the stuff that's keeping us down? He's like, don't you know that you're free? Like, hey, don't you know, like, we're worried about what we're eating? Come on, guys. Like, the enemy is standing there with his pants around his ankles, and we're worried about, like, not Sabbathing hard enough. It's like, come on, guys. Like, these, these are good things, but it's not the fullness of what God's calling us to. Like, hey, don't, don't, like, like let's keep the real thing the real thing, right? So let's read on. 18, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Asceticism, um, for those I also did not know what this word meant, um, asceticism is the severe discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence. Um, So hey, let no one disqualify you, insisting on severe self-discipline and worshiping angels, um, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Okay, so I'm going to give you guys a little snapshot of what a random Wednesday night looks like in the Partridge household. Um, Bailey and I, for some reason, I can't remember why, got talking about the Westboro Baptist Church. Um, And for those of you who don't know Westboro Baptist Church, they're a church over in Topeka um, that has has quite the reputation um, for being pretty aggressive and pretty mean with the way that they go about what they're doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you've seen pictures of, of them picketing. You know, they, they protest, um, you know, military service members' funerals. They, uh, we have a sister church in Topeka. They protest our sister church a lot, um, actually, which is really, really funny. Um, <clears throat> but we were talking about them, and uh, Bailey is a, Bailey and I are both like want to know more type of people. So she goes on their website, and she's looking around, and she finds this, it's called a New Testament scorecard. It's a 17 question questionnaire where you can weigh your church against their beliefs and like say, hey, how, how holy is your church compared to our church? Um, and I was like, you know what? I don't, I have time. Like, let's just see how Blue Mott stacks up. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we didn't stack up very well. Um, the, there's 17 questions. Each of them is like, 
it's like, hey, it has a statement, and then how your church responds to that statement. And there's four to there's three to four bad responses, which if you agree with one of those responses, you give yourself a negative 10 points. And then there's one good response where that's like what they teach, and you get 10 plus 10 points. Um, we scored a cool negative 120. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which Bailey and I honestly thought was pretty good. We were like, okay, we're doing good, because there's a lot, you know, 17 questions, four possible negatives. Like, you could go negative 300 on that questionnaire, and we went negative 120. Um, and one of the questions, like, was so funny and, like, was, an, an, like, an example of, like, this asceticism, this, like, severe self-discipline. It was, what, what functions does your church host? And it was, like, one of them was potlucks, um, dinner parties, uh, you know, Christmas parties. And, like, there was a bunch of parties, and then there was, like, sports. Like, if you host intramurals or participate in any of those things, it's like, that's a negative. Um, and it was like, and then, but the, the correct answer was none at all. You don't host anything. And <laughs> after every single question, they give, like, a, a scriptural explanation for why they believe it. And it's, like, such a literal interpretation of scripture. Literally, the reason why they, they say you shouldn't is because there's no examples of it in the New Testament. <laughs> if it's not explicitly written down, don't do it, right? Um, and it's like, man, I don't, I don't want to bag on a church. I, I don't want to, like, just crack fun at them. But I'm like, hey, man, like, let's, like, we're trying to save souls out here. Like, yeah, you know, churches get weird with pastors flying in on Christmas Eve services and little drummers flying through the air. It's like, okay, do we really need to do all of that? But it's like, man, we're trying to, like, we're trying to change the world. Like, this is, about, this is about God's purposes on the earth. It's not about, like, hey, all these ticky-tacky things that, that we can do to make ourselves look more or less holy. Um, and so it's just like, man, like, let's, yeah, let, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Um, man, we want to we grow and... Um, you know, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Like, man, we, we want to be a church that, that grows because of, of God's purposes in our life and God's purposes through our church. And um, so, so let, let, let's keep going and, and, and finish this sucker out. So in verse 20, it says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Sorry. So I read that and I'm like, man, I don't want to appear wise. I want to be wise. Like, I don't want to look like I have my stuff together. Like, I want to... Like, I don't want to look like I have my stuff together and be a slave to sin. You know, I want to be, I want to be connected to, to the head. I want to be connected to what God's doing in our city. Um, one, of, one of the other things on the questionnaire was, how, what is your church's reputation in the community? And if it was anything other than hated by everyone, you were wrong. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, man, I, I love Manhattan. Like, I, I love this city. I love... Um, I love K-State. I love everything about this place. But it's like, man, I want to see, see God move powerfully in, in our city. Like, I want to see this place be a beacon of, of Christ's purposes going out into the world. 
And the only way that's going to happen is if, is if we do that, if we as a church go out and, and leave our mark on, on the city. Man, get, in, get involved in local government. Um, you know, get involved in, in the, the Board of Education. Get involved in, in, you know, the business, whatever. You know, Jonathan's in the Rotary Club. You know, he's on the in and, in and up of what, what's happening in Manhattan. And, and he can have an influence in that place. And it's like, man, all, all of us, like, we need to have a, have a place um, that, that we're influencing the culture in, in Manhattan to see God really do something powerful here. Um, just thinking back to, like, you know, only, only having an appearance of wisdom um, and that, the, the, man, the asceticism and severity of the body having no, have no value in stopping indulgence of the flesh. Um, our, fray, uh, our friend Che Lim over in Lawrence um, we were at a staff meeting one time, and I can't remember what we were talking about, but she stood up and she said, sin is not meant to be managed, it's meant to be killed. And that, like, was such a, such a powerful thing in my life of, like, oh, yeah, like, this, just thinking about, like, the, like, not getting caught up in philosophy, like, hey, this isn't about, like, just trying not to do bad. Like, this is about killing sin and taking hold of, of the victory that, that Christ won on the cross and, and living out of that victory. And so it's like, man, I'm not, I'm not focused on, I mean, obviously I want to grow and stop sinning, but it's like I'm not, I'm not focused holding so strongly to, hey, be a good person, but I'm like every morning coming to Jesus and like, hey, change me. Like, make me more like your son today than I was yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. And, you know, that's... That's the, that's the process of, of being, of being a, a Christian. Um, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So, man, God dwells in Jesus. Jesus dwells in us. <clears throat> Jesus won ultimate victory through his death and resurrection on the cross. And so that's what's available for us. And that's what we're, what's available for us to walk in. And never again do we have to submit to the yoke of slavery again. Never again do we have to submit to the yoke of sin because we have, we have an ultimate victory. We have a good God who won the, the final battle and he indwells in us. And so, man, this morning I hope that, that we are in, in, encouraged that it's like nothing, nothing you did Nothing about you won your salvation. Nothing about you won God indwelling in you. And so there's nothing you can do or be that would remove that from your life. And so it's like, hey, let's, let's not get caught up in all these debates about this or that and this, this festival or that festival or anything like that. But like, hey, let's live as free people submitted to Christ. Like that's where... The, our submission to Christ is where the, the transformation comes. Our submission to Christ is where the good things coming out of us come from. It doesn't come out of striving. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Um, let's pray. God, I, I thank you this morning that, that it, is, it is for freedom that you set us free. It is for human flourishing that you set us free. It is for your plans and your purposes that, that you partner with us in, in expanding your kingdom. And it is, it is for your glory that, that we live our lives 
righteous and, and blameless, Lord. Um, and so, God, I just I pray this morning that you would do more of that work in our, in our hearts, God, that you would transform us from the inside out, reforming our minds, and God, that we could, we could have a real impact in, in Manhattan, that, that through Bluemont Church, man, Manhattan could be a place um, that, that your, your plans and purposes are, are going out of, a, a city on a hill um, that, is, that is shining for all the world to see. Um, God, would you, would you man, re, reaffirm that promise in our hearts? God, would you, would you give us a fresh vision for what you want um, to, to do in our church? And God, um, we, we are expectant for, for this next year. God, just seeing you move powerfully throughout this fall, throughout the last spring, um, God, ready, ready, for, ready for more. Um, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.